Life Audio. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to How to Study the Bible podcast. I am so glad to be here with you. We are wrapping up our series called Lord, Hear My Prayer. And just a few updates for me. Thank you so much for your prayer. I know you guys prayed for me this week as I was in San Francisco filming a Bible study series that'll come out in March, sort of March, April of 2024. The book and series is called Not What I Signed Up For, and it's about finding hope and courage to survive a season that we didn't expect. And it's based on the life of Joseph from the book of Genesis. So we were doing that Bible study series this week, and I just, I had a lot of energy, a lot of clarity, and I really think it went really, really well. And I'm excited for you guys to get to be a part of it when that stuff comes out. You guys were the first to know about all of that, of course. So... Thanks again for the way that you've supported me and the way that you cheer on this community and this group. It just means so much to me. And I'm I'm just really, I don't know, I'm really happy about how much there is to discover and learn and grow together. We've been at this faithfully for a few years, week after week. And it just getting to know you and connect with you a little bit more, even through this series, has been a real encouragement to me. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com. To join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. So, today I'm going to answer some of your questions. You guys wrote in to me about things that were going on in your life, questions that you have about prayer. And this is going to be a little bit more of a pastoral episode where I haven't really um, done a lot of prep for your answers. I really just want to answer you as a pastor and the kinds of questions that you're answer that you're asking here are the kinds of questions I've heard before in the ministry, in church, and in my own heart, in my own life, I have the same questions. So um, hopefully we can be just travelers together with the Lord and discover what he has for us as we look at places that we get stuck, places that we're asking him to show up for us. So I'm going to be answering four that kind of capture most of what you guys shared with me. It's not everything, but 
um, hopefully one of these topics will sort of matter to the life that you are living. So let's get into those questions right now. All right, first question, and I love the way that this question is phrased. How do we wait for God successfully, i.e. not getting lost in the disappointment, the hopelessness that happens when it looks like God is not answering? Okay, so this question came via email, and ooh, I understand and feel all of this so much. So I'm just looking at the question. I think the thing I would ask back, of course, if we were talking face to face is I would say, what are you waiting on God for? You know, and that's a big part of this. Maybe we want um, the status of our life to change or we want a decision to be made. And one of the things that's really difficult to embrace, to surrender to, is that oftentimes when we don't hear God, quote unquote, the reason we're not hearing God is because we're not hearing the answer that we want. Or the reason we're not hearing God is because the answer is not yet. And you can pretty much know that that's the case. Like God isn't waiting for you to jump through certain hoops, to be prayerful enough, to be holy enough. God isn't the kind of God who operates like Santa Claus or a vending machine. We don't do certain things a certain way to get God to give us the answer that we want. Therefore, when we're not getting an answer or we are still waiting, we can rest assured that the answer is no or not yet. And then the question is, well, what do I do with that? What do I do with that disappointment? When something that feels like, let's let's go with the idea that what we are experiencing feels like a holy desire, a real desire, something that God would want for us in, in our human understanding, it feels that way. What do I do in that? And what we need to know and what we need to remember, and this is why I love talking about Bible study, because... Every time we do Bible study together, you guys, we're looking at principles of who God is. And so when something doesn't make sense to us, we want to be able to draw back on the principles of who we know God to be because we are listeners and studiers of his word. So when we don't understand a small section of our life, we want to go into the bigger story and ask the question, what do I know about the big story of who God is? And if we know that God is love, then we have to go ahead and, and lay that over our disappointment and say, okay, I am disappointed. I feel like I want something or I want something to change that is a holy desire, that is a good desire, and God is not answering it, but God is love. Therefore, there is a reason, even if it's a reason that I cannot comprehend. There is something going on in the heavenly realm, even if I cannot comprehend it, that means that this is not the answer I am getting right now. And we see this in scripture too. We see Paul talk about, you've probably heard this before, but we we see Paul talk about, you know, I asked for this thorn in my flesh to be removed. Now people have conjectured all kinds of things about what that thorn in the flesh may have been. It actually doesn't really matter what the thorn in the flesh is. The idea there is Paul had a reason to think it would be better for him to not have that thing. He had a reason to believe that he should pray for that thing to be removed, but he knew how to be content in every circumstance, even though. So one of the things that we can do is there is a surrendering to God's timing, to God's plan, alongside of requesting God's comfort. So when something we want isn't happening, we can still come to God with our disappointment. He's not disappointed in us because we're disappointed. So we can come to him with our disappointment and we can say, not my will, but yours be done. But Lord, would you bring me comfort? Would you bring me assurance of the fact that you see me, that you know me, that you love me? 
will you give me the perseverance to continue forward in whatever this thing is that I don't want? And that is a prayer that God will answer. He has not forgotten about your request. If you're not bringing the request to him every single day, God has not forgotten. He's not forgotten what you want, but part of trusting him and surrendering is actually allowing your life to be the life that it is and to trust the opportunities that he's bringing right now in this moment, whatever that moment may be that you're in. So I want to pray for this reader. And if if this is or this listener, and if this is your story as well, then know that this is a prayer for you as well. Father, we pray for our friends who are feeling like they want to wait successfully, but it's difficult. Lord, we know that when there is a sense of you tarrying, not coming to our aid, not coming to the decision, Lord, it becomes difficult. Our faith is stretched. But we know, God, that when our faith is stretched, you are growing something essential in us. You are bringing us hope and perseverance that we need. So, Father, I pray for this listener as well as any other listener within range of my voice right now, Father. I pray that you would bring them spirit, a comfort, um, a strength, a perseverance, a resiliency that allows them to lift their eyes and lift their head and experience your joy and your presence even now as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, moving on, guys. You ready? Next one. This listener says, I have been struggling with the fact that my adult son is not a believer. He knows that I believe in Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross for us, but he does not. He respects my faith. And sometimes I think he wants to believe and have the same peace I have, but he just won't surrender. A couple of years ago, I decided not to talk to him about it, but just to live it out. I should try to let my life be a witness to him. But the emotion I've been struggling with is the fact that if something should happen to him or if Jesus comes back anytime soon, which I believe is possible, I worry my only child will be a lost soul. This is extremely distressing to me. I hear all of this. And this listener goes on to say, my life group at church is studying Isaiah and how he prophesied about the second coming. And we talk about everything that is going to happen. And I feel a dark cloud coming over my head. I feel so responsible for my son and hopeless to help him. Now, my friend who has written this, I feel the pressure and the pain of this experience for you. And obviously, the more we love someone, the more distressing it is for us when they are not living the life that we know that they could have. So oftentimes the the measure of our pain and our grief is deeply connected to the measure of our love. And so there's some comfort in that. Like, okay, the reason I feel so much is because I love this person so much. But there's a few things in here that I just want to address to hopefully bring you some comfort, even if they come across as like strong words right now. So the first thing is this, like, God is not bringing us to his word in order to make us scared of him or to make us scared of the future. And if we are experiencing anything that we're studying as doing that, we need to, again, return to the things that we do know. And so when we're doing things like studying the end times or studying what might happen, I want you to remember that Jesus himself said that he would come like a thief in the night, that we would not know that he was coming, that everyone would be going about their business, doing their thing. Doesn't mean that we can't 
ask those questions or we don't want to study for that. But more important than that, we need to be grounded in the gospel first. And we need to be into that space where we know that Jesus himself said the kingdom of God is among you, that Jesus said you will not know the time or hour. So if we're getting overly fascinated with tribulation and trial, if we're getting overly fascinated with interpreting our times, and particularly a lot of times I see in this kind of end times prophecy, a lot of times America is sort of centralized as like the center of the action. And that's not realistic or accurate to our, a God of the universe, if that makes sense. But it just it's natural sometimes that that happens, that human nature is to make it about America. And so America becomes the place where all the signs for what God is going to do next are happening. I, I think that's erroneous. I think that's false. America is not God's chosen land. The world is God's chosen land. All, all nations, tribes, and tongue will know who God is, right? And sometimes people say, well, when everyone is evangelized, then Jesus will come back. Yes, of course, we have responsibility and we are have authority to be advancing the kingdom of God. But if we think that there's some kind of human levers that we're going to pull <laughs> that's going to make God do something, we've got our authority structures reversed if that makes sense. It's like a it's like a little preschooler who thinks like, if I just, you know, if I just put my pajamas under the pillow, I can make it snow. We all know that you're not going to get it to snow that way, right? But a lot of times we do this with God too. We're thinking, oh, like there's all this human agency. And if I do X, Y, or Z, then I can get God to move. And that's, that's a wrong, that's a wrong understanding of God's authority and God's sovereignty. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com. To join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. And so, how does this come back to our own children and their belief, right? Like, that is, of course, very distressing. It is very difficult. I would tell this listener, I think they're doing the right thing. You know, this this listener, this mom is talking about faith when it's appropriate and when it's time. She's trying to live out her faith. She's living out her faith and her peace. And I think that God 
want you to continue to pray for your son and in that distress to bring him to you. But what you want to watch out for is that you don't make your own son an idol where the son, this person that you want to be saved is actually more important to you than God. Now, that sounds crazy. I know you're like, no, no, I would never think that. But if if the whole of your relationship with God is based around what your son isn't or isn't doing, then you have in some ways that has your, your son's status with God has been elevated, right? So we bring our distress to the Lord. We bring our desire to the Lord. God knows the desires of your heart. But then we've got to settle ourselves in this reality that our God is a patient God. It says in scripture that he is patient with us, not wanting any one of us to perish. We know that before your son was your son, he is God's son, and that our father in heaven deeply loves our children more than we can love our children. So he is as distressed, you know, the, the distress that you feel is the distress that he feels, right? And you can pray for him and you can pray that the spirit would move in his life, even if that's painful, which is one of the hardest prayers to pray. But I, I often pray that, Lord, uh, move into my children's life, even if it's painful, because if that pain leads them to you, then I want that for them, right? I want I want God to move into their life. I um, mean, we can pray that, but God is God and we are not. And there is this part where we do have to settle into that because if, if, if this study on the end times and the distress about your son is stealing your joy and it is, is, is making you lose your identity in God, then you want to find that grounding in God again. You want to find that space with God again. And that may take like an hour every day. You may wake up distressed and need to spend an hour with the Lord in worship music until your heart is at peace. You can ask God to speak to you about your son. Instead of speaking to God about your son, ask God to speak to you. Let God and the Holy Spirit kind of give you, whether that's assurance or patience or a word that you are going to give to your son, like you can ask God to lead you through this rather than you trying to lead God into what you want. You can ask God to lead you. And I'm sure you're doing all these things, but I want to give that to you as an encouragement, as well as anyone else who is in the same place where they're praying for a loved one to come to know the Lord. And I just would invite you to step back and ask, am I still manifesting the fruit of the Spirit? Am I still living out of a place of the fruit of the Spirit, out of trust that God has it all in hand? God has it under control. God does not desire my son to perish. Like there is that part of human freedom, though, where we, we, we see human freedom in full display when we are parents and we see our children and we want to make right choices for them, but they have to make those choices for themselves. So we ask God for peace. And I would I would encourage you to ask God to lead you rather than trying to lead God into what you want. All right, let's pray. Anyone out in this span who is feeling this, who needs this um, encouragement and assurance from God, join us as we pray. Father, We thank you that you love our children more than we can even love them, that you love our spouses and our parents and everyone we love, God. You knew them in their mother's womb. You know every day has been written in your book before any one of them came to be. As true as that is for us, that is true for the people that we love. God, we pray that you would move mightily and powerfully in their lives. And Holy Spirit, would you give each of us comfort and assurance God, would we stay settled with you? Would you give us ears to hear you and to listen for the ways that you want us to love this person that we love, whether that's with words, with action, with silence? Father, whatever it is that would allow us to love this person that you love. And would you give us assurance and comfort that you are with us and that you know and that you care and that you love so deeply this person that we love? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Okay, you guys, we only have time for one more, okay? And this one is, how do I pray intentionally without it being a wish list type prayer or treating God like Santa, which is a great way to say it. Like, how do I pray intentionally for things, but not make it this like, yeah, list of things that I want, you know, um, and that sort of sort of goes right into the one that we were talking about before. So I think one of the ways that you can really grow in your praying intentionally is by using a prayer journal. This does not have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be special, but it's really a place where you're like, okay, I need to express worship. I want to express gratitude, and then I'm going to express petition, right? So one of the ways we can break out of that habit of just like listing out the things that we need is by having a framework for which we enter into prayer. And one of the most beautiful frameworks that we've already studied here on this podcast is the Lord's Prayer using that framework as a way to to frame out the rhythm of what we're praying for. And in the Lord's Prayer, you know, we we honor God, we exalt God. So that's a praise. Like, what am I, how am I praising and worshiping? And I might write down some words in my journal around my gratitude to God for who He is. And then my gratitude to God for things that I'm experiencing, like in my life, whatever that may be, my salvation, the blessing in my life, my sense of God's presence, my sense of his peace, whatever that thing is, a prayer she's already answered, you know, I'm going to express gratitude. And then after gratitude, then I'm going to go to petition and I'm going to I'm going to pray specifically, right, in some specific ways. I might I might pray for my family, for my community and for the world. And I might have different petitions underneath those three But one of the things that happens when we journal in prayer is we remember what we've already prayed for, and we're actually able to thank God for the prayers that he's answered. You know, God has answered so many more of your prayers than you're probably aware of, because we we say the prayer and then the thing happens. And yeah, maybe if it was a big thing, if you had prayed for healing or salvation, you might be like very, very much remembering that. But sometimes we just pray for little things, right? We lose our keys or we're frustrated at work or we have a conversation coming up that we that we want courage for. And the thing just passes by so quickly and we move on to the next thing or the next worry. And so a prayer journal can help you look back and be like, oh my goodness, God has been so faithful to me. God has answered these prayers, even even prayers that didn't get answered the way I wanted, but God still answered them. And look at all these ways that God has provided for me, that God has shown up in my life, that God's given me purpose in my life. And that can really lift your, your prayer life out of that space of like, Santa Claus prayers into true communion with God, where you're you're almost able to just be silent with the Lord and, and be in this place where you're experiencing his presence and his communion and his his assurance over your life, your identity. And that's a beautiful thing to get to that place, right? So and, there, and there's times in our lives where certain things may work. Some of those things stick with us for life. Like, you know, of course, we want scripture reading and prayer to be a foundational element of our life. But the way we do scripture reading, the way we do prayer may change in different seasons. So you may find a prayer journal to be really helpful for a season and it kind of changes the way you pray. And then you maybe move on to something else, contemplative prayer, like, you know, other ways that you might be praying. But, you know, start a practice, especially if you want to avoid being that like wish list type prayer. Start that practice, involve praise, involve gratitude, involve looking back to thank God for what he has already done, and then expand out that petition to make sure that your petitions are not just me personally or my family, but I'm also praying for my community and for my world. And hopefully that will give you just sort of a new life and new life into that prayer with God. 
All right, you guys, it's been so lovely to travel through this dealing with our complicated emotions in prayer. And I am really excited for our next series. We are going to be launching a Bible highlight reel. And Rev. Rachel is going to be back for that series. We are going to do a flyover of the Old Testament. So we're looking for the big themes in Scripture, again, that can kind of ground us foundationally in who God is. So that Bible highlight reel is going to start next week. We are actually going to have a reading guide if you want to read along, if you want to have a little snippets from the Old Testament to read each day of the week. Um, so it's kind of a study guide for you to to get into a reading plan. I'm going to be doing that reading plan as well as we travel through the podcast. So if you want to join us, just go to my website, NicoleUnis.com, and you can download that reading guide for free. And we're going to get started next week. So I'll talk with you guys then. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. If you're tired of parenting advice and news headlines that are more confusing than assembling IKEA furniture, we've got just the podcast for you. My dear friend Abby and I are here to help you navigate the parenting roller coaster. Should your kids be on social media? What should you tell a friend facing an unplanned pregnancy? These are just some of the many questions we tackle on our podcast. Subscribe to The Real Deal of Parenting wherever you find your podcast.